the only way that you're going to achieve meaningful things in your life and your career, it's going to come from you setting these things up. And it's going to also come from you setting up the accountability rhythms as to what does it take for you to do the things that you said that you want to do. It's just habit and routine. And so then what's cool about that is then you just plug anything in, then you just move from focusing on backhand to focusing on, you know, serve or to focus on, you know, what have you. you just, you're just putting different things in, but it's going into the same process. It's going into the same, you know, habits. It's going into the same like accountability rhythms. Um, and then that's where you really get the acceleration and the compounding. Welcome to Startup Jobs, a podcast where we explore all the different jobs in a tech startup. What exactly are they and what have we learned from scaling teams from the inside? While most startup content focuses on the founder or investor or specific area like marketing, this show is about accelerating your personal and career growth journey in whatever startup job is best for you. Yeah, exactly, Kai. Like this show is about you. We want you to be the very best that you can be. All right, we're back. New host, Maddie, welcome. Welcome, welcome. Feels good to be here. We're back for the first time, Mike, and excited to be chatting with you this morning. Yeah, Hi. no pressure, but I looked at the <laughs> I looked I looked at the the agenda and it's going to be a it's going to be a cracker. So, It is going to be a cracker. It's an exciting topic uh, that we are diving into this morning. Uh, keen to be talking about the concept of an ownership mindset around your career um, and sort of understanding what what we sort of mean by taking an ownership mindset and how that can mm. kind of really help you kickstart your career and, you know, follow you through your whole career journey uh, and probably most importantly understanding what practically it looks like to really take ownership of your career and advocate for yourself and show that initiative so that you can kind of get to the place that you want to be, even if it's not super clear to you what the end goal is, but to mm. be making, um, building skills and building experience along the way. Mm. What a great, what a great topic. Out of interest, what, um, what prompted you to think of this topic? Uh, sort of, I think probably over the past few months have seen a lot of people um, internally jumping into new roles, uh, like at Zipline, taking on new challenges that probably have been driven by the need of the organisation but then also people willing to put up their hands to try new areas. And I think that there was beauty in that and also this personally affects me, beauty in having your environment sort of choose a certain path for you and it has offered a lot of opportunities without necessarily having to show that initiative. So I guess I was Mm -hmm. sort of thinking, you know, had you been in a bigger org with more set roles that stay stagnant, how mm. you would actually get to have those opportunities that sort of get presented at Zipline every three, mm. six months to different people. And, yeah, and, and you know, even in a time where the environment is is pretty aligned to giving you new opportunities to step up or step sideways, how, yeah, how as an individual you can really stand out to be the one who gets those opportunities. Yeah. Great. Well, I love this approach of ownership mindset to your career. Maybe a good place to start is how we would define that and how you think about what this means. So maybe we can kind of compare notes on that. What are some things that come to mind for you when you th- when you think ownership mindset? Mm, when I think ownership mindset, I think it's essentially rejecting the, the idea that things happen to you or that you end up somewhere in your career and rather that you've taken responsibility 
for the outcomes that you want, the skills you want to build, the position mm. you want to be in. Um, and so by, yeah, you've, you haven't let life or your career happen to you. You've been really deliberate about the choices that you've made to get where you've mm. gotten. That's great. That's great. Yeah, I mean, certainly this flips the traditional view on its head, right? Like the traditional Definitely. view is I get a job and it's for my manager to set up the meetings. It's for my manager to let me know how I'm going. It's for my manager to tell me about other opportunities that exist internally. It's for my manager to let me know where I should get skills. It's for my manager to set up learning. It's for my manager to tell me my goals. Um, it's my, it's for my manager to et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> and th- it's not that those things are not true. Like ideally the manager should be doing a lot of those things, but it's rare that you're going to have an ideal manager who is going to do all of that well and proactively do all of that. Now, sometimes that does exist, um, but in a startup, sometimes that manager is on some critical path pieces themselves internally and just isn't going to be able to think about, okay, what's everything that Maddie needs for her career right now uh, and like proactively do those seven things that I just mentioned. And may do three of them, right? Um, And so I think what we're saying here is rather than sitting around and waiting and rather than sitting around and waiting for the organization, waiting for your manager to set up these things to put your career in a good spot, we're flipping that script and we're saying that ownership and that responsibility lies with you. Not because the manager's shit, not because the organization is shit, but because ultimately for you to get what you want out of your life and for what you want to get out of your career, like the ultimate responsibility lies with you. And so that's that's effectively what we're saying. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think that's like the really good point about yeah, your manager's already got their day job to do, uh, sitting around waiting for them to do it. Um, might not happen. So taking the initiative yourself uh, is is super important. And I think yeah. that that could probably, I guess, like what I'd love to sort of discuss, especially from your perspective, being um, someone who's, you know, probably seen people with ownership mindsets and people without them, yeah. how like practically that can look, how you can really mm. be that employee who's showing the initiative and and having that ownership mindset rather than sitting around and waiting for it. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I like this concept of setting goals, setting objectives, setting mini goals. And if they're not clear in your role, then coming up with some yourself and bouncing them off your manager. Like I always found that really helpful when I was in my early 20s. And when I look at people who have really adopted this ownership mindset, well, they're they're really thinking through, okay, well, I want to be great at, you know, X in this particular role, or I want to nail Y, um, or I want to achieve this outcome. And they're they're pretty clear about that, and they're and they're pretty um, sort of focused on, on on that thing. And look, it could be it could be something significant, which is, hey, I want to be able to get this type of role, um, you know, within this kind of period of time. Or it may just be, I want to have competency to be able to host these types of customer discovery meetings, 
you know, on my own without having to bring someone from product or without having to bring my manager. And I want to be able to do that, um, you know, in the next two months. And so then if they've set that mini goal for themselves, um, ideally they're sharing that with their manager and then they're going, hey, like what, if that's where I want to be, like what are some things that I should be like across, like what sort of content should I be learning? Like who should I be bouncing some stuff off? Like based on where I'm at at the moment, um, you know, what are some things that I should do? And they're sort of like then taking ownership for that, that overall plan, but they're getting feedback um, from others and their manager because sometimes you don't know all the things that you need, right? Like just like a player joining um, a team, but like that's the role of the coach and, you know, your manager should play that role as a coach. But And sometimes the coach is proactive in saying, hey, like let's make the goal that you could be a starting player, you know, in this role doing these defensive moves in, you know, two months' time or other times you may take the ownership to set that um, goal up and then sketch out a bit of a plan as to, you know, what are the actions that you're going to need to take uh, to get there. And then the ownership piece then kicks in around like actually implementing um, that plan. Yeah, absolutely. I like that working, sort of working backwards from either the role or the competency for for what you're seeking. I suppose, um, yeah, on that, how how can you best say as as the employee wanting to wanting to you know take an ownership mindset but not necessarily knowing what that goal could be like someone with, mm. with not a heap of clarity on where they want to end up um, yeah. I think potentially that working backwards can be really clear for someone who you know knows they want to end up as a product manager one day and understand sort of the steps to get there I think right. it might be interesting to unpack like that that competency option instead if you unclear on where you want to go um, but you know you know you know you want to have a fulfilling career how uh, potentially setting like a goal of skills or competencies, how that can really look, um, you know, working through that with your manager and then actually knowing sort of when you've achieved it and when it's time to start building, you know, setting mm. the next block. And there's actually a really good example of like ownership mindset because you may say, hey, I want to be a product manager in this amount of time or I want to be able to become an account manager, uh, et cetera. And then even just sharing that goal with your manager, it, it, like without the ownership mindset, it's kind of like, oh, that's now on the manager to like let me know what is it that I need to do or let me know yeah, when totally. I can pot mm. potentially go for that role. Or like the worst version of this is a view around um, time at the company <laughs> or time in the role. So it's like, oh, I've been doing this for two yeah. years. I'm now owed, you know, <laughs> this role or I'm now owed like being able to take on that like responsibility as opposed to thinking it in in, in competencies which we're, we're, we're talking about. Maybe it might be worth without going down like a deep rabbit hole of just defining competencies because it is a little bit of a um, people team, HR team uh, term. How do you think about competencies which are, which are different to uh, which can be a little bit different to specific skills and certainly is different to values. Maybe let's just riff on this quickly and then we'll sort of connect the dots around like setting goals and figuring out how to build, you know, what's the right skill or competency to focus on. Mm, I think, suppose from my perspective, I'd probably define competency as more of a, like I guess a characteristic or a skill that you have, you become, it's almost like you become effective in it or you become mm -hmm. proficient in it. Mm. A value is probably more, yes, yeah, something to like live by and to guide decisions, whereas I see right. competency is actually, yeah, being able to like effectively and efficiently sort of deliver that 
that skill. So, you know, a couple of examples, we've sort of got, um, you know, like communication competencies or competencies around um, being able to manage a team um, mm-hmm. or, yeah, or like have tough con- um, customer conversations, for example. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah, that's sort of, I guess, yeah, my definition of it. How would you add to that or change that? Yeah, great. I mean, like a lot of organizations obviously talk about their core values um, and then so, yeah, like uh, what's the difference between values, competencies and skills just to quickly tease that apart? Yeah, I mean, like values are like core beliefs that guide your behavior. You know, so for us, like a core value is being ambitious, uh, which is sort of like, hey, I'm, I'm deeply sort of driven to achieve, you know, big growth, personal and career, and I love going after hard, challenging goals. Um, and, I've, and I've got the courage to take the risk to be able to make those tough decisions, even in the face of adversity. Now, that that's really almost like a chip that's installed inside you or it's mm-hmm. not. I mean, you can develop it um, for sure, but that, that's something that someone almost comes pre-programmed with and we look for that coming into Zipline. Um, you can get better at it. But that's that's kind of a, a core belief, like that's that's a core value. Um, and competency is is a combination of like skills and knowledge and abilities and what have you. But like competencies is usually something that is a little bit more nebulous versus like I have a competency in I don't know, like a, a, a level of like maths or a level of um, you know, like that that that's that's a skill. Like a skill, maybe something like you know, how good am I at drawing? You know, that's like a skill. Obviously, mm. that's not kind of the workplace, but um, that could be like computer programming or data analysis or like a skill around like graphic design, etc. Like a competency tends to be things, yeah, like you said, like how good am I at, at solving problems or how how good am I at um, you know pl- planning like uh, like a project. Um, but competencies can also be around like being dependable and like taking on ownership and and things like this. And so there's usually a mix of competencies that are required like at different roles. So an example would be like complex problem solving at a junior level. You know, we, we don't expect you to solve like some really, really gnarly, like hard, um, you know, strategy problems. But there's a bunch of like problems that exist that you've got to figure out, you know, within your own world, which is, okay, like I've got to reach out to these three customers that I haven't engaged with before, like how would I go about that? Okay, that's like a little mini problem. You know, how would you break down that problem and have a crack at it? Like that's a competency. Uh, so yeah, problem solving is competencies. And and so, um, yeah, like at Zipline, we've got a list of 15 competencies. Not every company split out their competencies and then we've even graded them on a, I think a scale of five from memory. Yeah, um, Which we defined. So we say, hey, like if you're in this junior account manager role, like this is where we expect you to be uh, in, in in being able to plan or being able to be dependable and resourceful and, you know, problem solve, et cetera. Um, so you may be able to eyeball those lists or you may be able to go online and, and kind of go, actually, do you know what I think the competency that I need to be able to get to this kind of, you know, goal or to be able to get to this level of proficiency in this role, I'm probably going to need to up my game here. Um, but I reckon even, even in the absence of a good sort of competency matrix, uh, like, taking ownership and leading that conversation with your manager, which is like, hey, like I want to be able to nail this role where I'm set to be able to either get a promotion or like, you know, get something else. My view is that I probably need to focus on area one and two um, and actually just getting some feedback on that and, and taking ownership to lead that conversation. But the reality is you want to bounce that off someone, if not your manager, someone who is known 
to have achieved mastery in your role before because you want and has and has seen you in action and, and sort of knows you like otherwise it's a bit hard for someone to judge judge you if they, they haven't seen you in action because you know we, we don't have an accurate view of ourselves um, and, and and it's really helpful to bounce it off someone externally to kind of help go okay if, if I was to get better in this thing like what should I focus on you know think of it as like a tennis player and you're a junior and you're get, getting started you know you really want a, a senior person who's quite well just even just watch five minutes of your game and then go up and say, hey, I think what I really need to focus on is my serve and my footwork in these scenarios. And they may go, actually, no, you're probably better off, you know, focusing on like, you know, your backhand, like, um, and then just focus on nailing that for the next two months. So that's the type of conversation that you want to have and that you want to sort of kick off that, um, kick off that process and taking ownership of that and then building the plan to then get better at that competency. Yeah, I like that. I like that that's sort of where we've gone there with that is this this almost like sub point of an ownership mindset towards that. How am I going at my job? How am I going um, at these competencies to help you sort of like gain that feedback to improve and to, to really get towards the goal that you're aiming to go to? Um, I think sort of t- to round out that that topic, I guess keen to understand like similar to your manager not being able to tell you what you need to do to get to that next level of being a product manager or um or you know get that promotion how uh is it is it best managed for someone to really seek out that constructive feedback so i guess mm. sort of there's one example there around the you know uh, what what we call it zipliner how am i going chat and sort of picking out certain competencies and areas yes. you want to improve but yeah, I think um, probably something that might stop a lot of people from having an ownership mindset or from doing it successfully is firstly seeking out constructive feedback yes. and then secondly kind of embracing their faults and embracing their failures yeah. to then improve. I think that's probably the biggest the biggest hill to climb in sort of nailing this. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's such a good point, right? It's like it's the classic why don't I go to the doctor about this thing uh, mm-hmm. is – maybe I'm worried that they're going to say something bad and the idea of dealing with that pain um, about that bad thing, I I would prefer to just live in, <laughs> like I'd, I'd prefer to just like live in, um, in denial about yeah. something like that's particularly bad. Yeah, I mean, that's just such a great point, right? Like in terms of not fearing the pain because it is going to be painful. Like you're going to go yeah. to that tennis coach and say, hey, like analyze my game. Like you know that you're junior. You know there's a whole bunch of areas that are shit. Like you know that they're going to watch you like screw up your serve uh, in a really clumsy way and it's not going to be enjoyable for someone who has mastery to view that and, and you know, <laughs> hopefully they've got some tact um, mm-hmm. and, you know, they, 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 they deliver that, that um, those areas that, are, that need improvement well. But, yeah, I mean this, this sort of like links to – Hurt Locker stuff, this links to just how you grow, right? Like how you grow is not being in your comfort zone. Like growth doesn't happen in your comfort zone. And so growth does mean exposing yourself to a healthy level of pain. And that is going to include, um, frankly, emotional pain about exposing yourself to areas that you're not great at yet. Um, And, yeah, I think working yourself up to be able to have that conversation sort of you're right like there's a there's a level that needs to happen beforehand which is I know that doing hard things is what it's going to take for me to improve and because I want to 
hit these goals. I want to accelerate in these areas. Just part of the way that I'm going to work is I'm going to have to like lean into pain. I'm going to have to like reflect on things that like emotionally hurt um, and just accept that reality for what it is and then go, okay, like what, what is it that I now need to do to improve on that area? Like I've got this, I've got this quote, which is, I, I, I can't like pull it up um, right now. So I'll, I'll, I'll bring it up at the end of the show, but it's basically like you're far better off facing reality, no matter how tough it is, no matter how bitter that pill is to swallow than to live in la la land, because living in la la land means that you're not working on the most important things and that you're actually not moving the ball forward. So when you're in la la land, you're actually stagnant. And if you're serious about going on a rapid personal growth journey, and if you're serious about going on a rapid career uh, growth journey, then getting out of the la-la land means that you're going to have to see reality for what it is. And yes, you risk someone that you really trust, respect, admire, who has great competency in that thing, like pointing out an area that you thought maybe you were a bit better than what it was, or, Mm. oh, you hadn't realized that you were actually pretty clumsy you know, on that backhand and it's going to like sting a little like to hear that you're shit in that area. And so I think rewiring your brain to go, it's not you personally, (laughs) you know, that is shit. And it's not that these things are not overcomable. Like if anything, it's here's someone that you, that you admire having, um, mastering this thing, taking time out to say, Hey, if you focus in this area, like that's, that is the single most important area to focus on to accelerate where you want to get to. Like, how amazing is that? Like, you've now just been told if you focus on this one area, you'll probably get where you want to get to, you know, within a year rather than if you were in la-la land, that may have taken you five years. And so knowing knowing that, um, I think is what's going to help, <laughs> help sort of go, all right, I'm, I'm going to take the ownership to be able to set up the doctor's appointment, so to speak, or to set up the coaching appointment that may hurt, that probably hurt, but it's going to point me in the right direction that's going to 3x my my speed and 3x my um level of of acceleration here yeah absolutely oh that's um yeah a great great summary of sort of like what what it could feel like um wanting to get out of that la la land and jump into sort of really challenging yourself outside of your comfort zone I think kind of final point I'd love to end on Mike Mm. is is for someone who potentially is um you know like what to do if you're stuck in that job that's that isn't taking you towards um, towards growth, or you're mm. potentially uh, potentially you know you're in la la land. You know you haven't been um, challenging yourself or calling out areas to improve, um, or additionally the job just isn't kind of right for you. The environment's not right, and it's not a place where you're being challenged. How is it? Uh, like I guess maybe like what are some of the signs that it's clear that you know, this isn't, this isn't a place where I can, or this isn't the role for me, this isn't the job for me or the team mm. for me. And I know that this isn't somewhere that I can actually um, embrace my ownership mindset and, and take my career where I want to go. I'm sure some people have potentially been stuck in a job for 6, 12, 18 months and have, you know, haven't grown in that time. What are some of the signs or like feelings to look out for when potentially you're, you're the one stuck in, in, a non-growth world uh, to help those kind of people kickstart potentially jumping across into a startup or somewhere that does really embrace an ownership mindset and growth in your career. Mm. Part of me wonders whether that like exists at all. Um, like if, if you really, really do have an ownership mindset, 
um, there's there's probably an infinite number of things that you could do, certainly to help the company hit its overall goals that may exist outside of your particular role. Now, whether it's something that you want or whether it's something that's aligned to your goals uh, is is different. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the only way that that would exist is if like culturally and management just aren't in a place to just be able to support you, right? So sort of think to go kind of back to that tennis analogy, just think you were in some sort of like mega tennis academy with like, I don't know, 5,000 students or something and you're just in the machine (laughs) with, you know, like just so many people getting coaching and like there's just so many courts and then you kind of go up to someone senior who you really admire and they kind of just give you shitty token feedback and you're like, but Mm. I want to be on that stage, you know, I want to be doing that thing and you just don't get the ability to practice on that. You don't get any meaningful feedback around it. And so even though you are taking the lead um, and even if you are saying, hey, I'm willing to come Sunday morning and like coach some of the juniors, you know, can I catch you 20 minutes afterwards, you know, to be able to like get feedback on this thing and help me work on that game. And if you're just in a completely unsupportive organization culturally um, and there's just no space for that, then, then, yeah, then that that that's 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 probably the clearest sign, um, and that does exist, right? Like, and that usually exists at a at a cultural level, at a, at a management level, where they're just so focused on their own world that they can't possibly, even when you take the ownership to sit down and go, "Hey, I want to up my game here and here," they just possibly can't get around to giving you the emotional space, the the quality. Um, and then the time and the support and the ability to go, yeah, do you know what? Like, I reckon if you focused on this, this, why don't you, I don't know, why don't you, why don't you take on, why don't you shadow me in parent engagement night where we talk to them about their, their kids, like tennis, like coaching or whatever. I mean, I'm just really stretching an analogy. Um, and so if you don't even have those opportunities that come up when you're taking the lead, then I think they're all the, they're all the, the sort of warning signs. Mm. Yeah. I think that's a really good point around the, you know, sort of potentially what could flow from quite a big organisation is those the cultural and management um, level constraints on it. I think like where that question really stemmed for me was probably from my previous experience in a really big organisation mm. and around the almost I think the like the feeling I relate to is, yeah, you've put yourself out, um, you've put yourself forward for so many opportunities and have been cut down at so many times that you almost get to this point of giving up. Like that's when I yeah. really knew that it was the wrong place for me because you're you're putting yourself forward, you're offering extra hours, you're trying to stretch yourself and it's always being shut down. And I think when, you know, when you're told that something's outside of your job description or that's above your pay grade, that's a time to sort of really know that the environment and the team isn't going to be, you know, not they're not agreeable to you sort of taking on extra responsibilities and growing. Um, and that's probably a time when, yeah, finding an organisation that's more culturally aligned to letting you grow is is really important. Yeah, I love that. And that sort of reminds me of probably like the the most like simple rubric is are you in an organization and a culture that values ten, tenure over potential and outcomes? And mm. and and there are organizations, certainly they take the police force, like I've, I've spent the weekend hanging out with a bunch of friends uh, for a birthday in Bali actually and, you know, one of the folks there was in the police force and they're just so frustrated with their inability to uh, take on more, to do more, like they're so hungry uh, to take mm. on and 
the the view is oh unless you've done that thing for three years you know unless you've got those stripes and those stripes are purely based on the years like it sort of yeah. just blows my fucking mind yeah um but i think that sort of cultural element of um tenure over like potential and outcomes is is a is, is a real pivot point because then when you're going to someone saying hey like i want to get better in this thing or hey i'm happy to help in this other area if if the sort of culture is sort of just do your job stay in your lane and and do your time and you'll get rewarded for time then that is definitely not a place that you want to be in for rapid personal growth you know rapid career growth um whereas in you know a startup and a lot of mid-sized organizations if the culture's right like at an, at a at a leadership team level then you should be able to put up your hand and say hey like i noticed that the company's trying to get this thing done like can i you know can i help you there or hey like you know, if your manager's really busy with a bunch of stuff, like, do you want to take on some of these tasks that sit outside of my, um, that sit outside of my job? And so those, those are all things that sit within the ownership mindset, even if you can't draw a direct line to that, helping you with that, like immediate career goal, but you may go, do you know what, that's going to expose me to some things that my manager's exposed to, you know, that helps me with that. And then I'm really focused on my backhand right now. But then, oh, like, what is it that that coach does? Oh, they do these like parent engagement things okay well i'm probably two three years away from being able to host parent meetings but you know what? i don't have anything on tonight why don't i ask to just ride along and like watch them do that and and if things like that are just unthinkable like in your work environment like to use a consulting example like could you go to a partner and say hey would like love to just come along to you know that pitch with that organization just be a fly on the wall and just see how you engage like at a partner level to like do that thing or how you solve that problem and if those things aren't like even just within the realms of cultural norm because you're just saying hey here are the things that i want to do to be able to get better or to get exposure to these things um then that's that's clearly like not going to be a place for you to accelerate you know your personal growth and your career growth yeah absolutely Great. Well, I think, yeah, really understanding sort of what, what an ownership mindset is and how it looks like for, you know, you as the employer to really drive it and not sitting back and letting your, not taking a backseat and letting your manager be the one to push it forward. Um, it's been really clear to sort of understand that. And then, yeah, like great to talk about sort of the, the right environment to allow your ownership mindset to grow. I think yeah, is I think, really important. Yeah. yeah. I think that's right. Like basically what we're saying is flip this thing on its head. Um rather than waiting for your manager to do all these things, like flip mm. it, take the ownership to do it. And it's really going to work well in an environment that supports that. And you'll quickly realize that when you start flipping this script, um, like, for example, your manager hasn't set up a career conversation or a feedback, and then you proactively put that meeting in their calendar the next week to go, hey, I'm really hungry for this. And then they say, oh, wait for the annual review that's in November, right? Like, all these things will be the warning signs that culturally yeah. this is not an environment that's going to support it. I think the third thing, and we'll just sort of finish uh, in, in a minute or two, you had a good bullet point in the prep, which uh, we can just briefly touch on is, okay, yeah. you've said, I want to hit these kind of goals. Um, you've taken ownership in these particular areas. You've had the conversations. Now, how do you ensure that you're you hold yourself accountable to like push through on those things? What are, what are some thoughts on that, Maddie? Yeah, so I think one thing is probably... I mean, at least how I would try and implement this is um, around a bit of a, like one of your regular check-ins on this goal and who is that person you check in with? Like, is it your manager? Is it a peer? Is it someone else? Um, and setting up that cadence, like 15 minutes in your diary every week 
where you actually sit down, you write them an email, um, and you sort of run through. Yeah, Ooh, give how a status you're... update. Yeah, status thing. update. Um, Ooh, something I, like I haven't sent a status update to you for a while, Mike, on the weekly, the week that's just been. Um, but those sort of, you know, that used to be a Friday afternoon. Um, like procedure for me, 15 minutes writing down sort of what I've achieved, what the what I'm looking ahead to do next week. Um, you know, not an email that isn't really meant to be responded to, but mm. if there is like, you know, an opportunity for your manager to jump in to correct that path, you're giving them that opportunity. And you're also forcing yourself to reflect and say, oh, this week actually I, di- I fell back on those goals mm. um, and so I'm going to need to make up for it next week. I think mm. having that kind of a, um, so like have it, having that rhythm in place and then also potentially maybe even like a, a longer term sort of like monthly check-in potentially to see if if that goal still makes sense in light of sort of what's changed. Like often, you know, we'll set quarterly goals in a zipline context, right, and you get halfway through the quarter and you realise you've actually got to change path um, or something else is more important. I think having those kind of monthly check-ins um, to understand if you're still progressing towards where you want to be going um rather than just you know making progress for progress sake Mm. um i'd say those those are sort of my thoughts on how you can really keep yourself accountable i think the more people you tell and the more (laughs) you talk about it the more accountable you become to yourself uh because yeah writing down some goals on a piece of paper that you look at every now and then but never actually have you know sort of micro goals and micro dates to work Mm. towards you'll kind of you'll never get there Mm. yeah what else would you add to that yeah, I mean, the thing that I've found really useful for myself and with people that I've worked with to help them now do the hard things to achieve the competency or to hit the goal is actually quite personal in terms of what is it that makes that person tick. So, mm. like, I'm extremely competitive and if someone says something like, oh, that can't be done, you know, or this thing can't be done by that amount of time, like, or there's some sort of, like, hard goal, like, I'll just chase that thing down just for the sake <laughs> of like hitting that hard thing at, at that particular time. Now, that doesn't motivate, I've got two brothers and we chat about this stuff on a regular basis. That doesn't motivate one of my brothers as much. Like he doesn't have that crazy levels of competitive fire that I have. And so what matters maybe more for him is, you know, not looking like shit in front of people that he really cares about. And so then what might motivate him is, hey, if you don't get this thing done, if you don't do this thing that you're going to say, you know, you now need to post on, you know, this this chat that <laughs> I, I set this goal and I failed miserably because I didn't apply myself. Like just the idea of sending that message out to that group of people is so mortifying that that spurs, you know, him on. And so, yeah, I think finding, finding what it is that's going to make you tick both on the positive and on the negative uh, side and then creating a rhythm around that um, to 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 ensure that you're you yeah you're pushing through to completion and you're keeping yourself accountable and then ironically like this is where you want to link ownership mindset to that as well right so actually this is on you like the only way that you're going to achieve meaningful things in your life and your career it's going to come from you setting these things up and it's going to also come from you setting up the accountability rhythms as to what does it take for you to do the things that you said that you want to do and sometimes that's a that's a period of experimentation and you know certainly when you're in your 20s like I would go easy on yourself in terms of you set a structure an accountability structure and then you realize actually do you know what like that didn't really spur me on or I didn't kind of follow through on that thing okay fine like well why is that like reflect on that and then find different ways and so yeah over the years I've figured out what it is that makes me tick and then I've then set up <laughs> 
um, mini accountability loops. And if, if it's something that I really want to make sure that I get done, then yeah, I, I apply those things. But um, yeah, I think going on that journey to make sure that you've, you set up the accountability structure um, to make it really motivating and rewarding for yourself as you go on this journey. And then the cool thing is like when you crack that, it just becomes so enjoyable and so addictive. You know, it's like a gym junkie that regularly goes to the gym that just really enjoys it um, because it's just it's just habit and routine. And so then what's cool about that is then you just plug anything in, then you just move from focusing on backhand to focusing on, you know, serve or to focus on, you know, what have you. You just, you're, you're putting different things in, but it's going into the same, the same process. It's going into the same, you know, habits. It's going into the same, like, accountability rhythms. Um, and then that's where you really get the acceleration and the compounding growth so what a great uh episode maddie um taking an ownership mindset for your career fantastic topic yeah absolutely love it and i think really like that last point there around the the initial rhythm of accountability might not work and that's okay like habits often don't work and and you might not always hit those goals but it's that acceptance that like i'll keep trying different ways of holding myself accountable trying this ownership mindset pushing the environment i'm in Exactly. Um, yeah, keep keep resisting it. And if you find yourself in the, the wrong place to be having an ownership mindset, then you should get out. And exactly, because it's not natural, place. right? Like the brain wants to stick to comfort. Like the brain naturally doesn't want to do hard things or put you in a place where it's hurting. And so when you're taking on these things to get better and, okay, I'm going to grow in this area, um, you're not always going to feel particularly motivated. And so how do, how do you have a structure that has you do the hard things regardless of waiting for the motive the, the feeling of motivation right um mm. and so the the action itself needs to get kick-started without the, the feeling of motivation there uh, at every moment and yeah that that's a journey to figure out what it is that that gets you gets you ticking but um you know as you crack it and as you get better like it's uh it's it's, it's such a wonderfully rewarding feeling and experience where you just actually just enjoy the feeling and that process more than the, the the specific thing that you pick. And it's exciting because you kind of go, and that's when it sort of goes, compounds really well with the growth mindset stuff because you can kind of just keep going, well, I'm no good at maths yet. You know, I'm no good at this yet. And you just know that whatever it is that you pick, you know, you've proven to yourself that you've spiraled up and you've gotten better on that thing, you know, seven times before. Well, of course, the eighth thing that I'm going to pick, you know, I'm going to get better. And that that's, a, you know, that's particularly uh, rewarding. What a, what a great episode, Maddie. Um, if you've listened to this show and you've enjoyed it, I'm going to um, say, hey, shoot, shoot, shoot Maddie an email mm-hmm. with any feedback, anything you'd like to hear on the next show. Yeah, absolutely. We, we'd love to hear it. Thanks for joining us for the episode. Ooh. Hey, friend, thanks for listening to today's episode of Startup Jobs. This episode was made in collaboration with our friends at Early Work Academy, Australia's only tech sales bootcamp with a job guarantee. Applications are currently open for the next cohort. All the details are in the show notes. And finally, if something resonated with you in today's episode, we're posting episodes like this every week, including CEO memos straight from Michael. The best way to get those episodes on the day is by hitting the follow button on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. We'll see you next time.